Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. We are coming up to Easter, which is the most important time for Christians of the year. It's not Christmas. It's not any other time. Easter is the time because that's the time when the world was changed forever. Jesus' death on the cross changed history. You know, up until his death on the cross, the Bible says that the devil was the ruler of the world. In John chapter 12, Jesus said, now I'm about to cast down or cast out the ruler of this world. And then Jesus received all authority. And at the end, when he was about to go back to heaven, he said, all authority has now been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples. And it was all at the cross. Colossians tells us that he disarmed the devil and all of his demons. He disarmed them. He took away their power and strength at the cross. And it's such an important time. But we're just leading up to Easter now. And we sometimes hear so many stories about the cross and Easter and Jesus' crucifixion that we can become numbed to the power of it and, and anesthetized to how beautiful and how important it was. And so I'd like us to look again today with new eyes and I'm going to rewind the story just before Jesus went up to the cross because we're leading into Easter. And so in Luke chapter 9 and verse 51 it says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. So it says, as the time had come for him to be received, he steadfastly set his face. Before this, Jesus had goals and purposes and tasks that he was trying to achieve. He says that he did what he saw the Father doing. He said what he heard the Father saying, and he was being guided as to where to go and what to do. But a time came when it says the time had come for him to be received, and he steadfastly set his face. I'd like to just look at a few points in this story and then apply it to you and I. Because if we are Christ followers, Christians means little Christs or followers of Christ, we need to say, Lord Jesus, what did you do that I need to learn from and copy in my own life? And his face is such a beautiful picture. You know, there are other times in the Bible where it talks about his face. When Jesus went on the top of the mountain with uh, Peter, James, and John, and he was transfigured, which means he started glowing and shining. The Bible says as bright as the sun, and his face was shining. It, it's the face that they remembered, the disciples remembered. In John chapter 1, John says, We have beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth. And it sounds very much like he's remembering the glory of Jesus' face shining on the mountain. In Peter, Peter says the same thing. We saw when he was transfigured and it changed us forever. His face is so uh, amazing and beautiful. Isaiah 53 tells us that he had no natural beauty in his face. So it was an inward power 
of His divinity that was shining through. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says that God has put the glory of the shining face of Jesus in us, in our hearts, so that we can know Him. And as we gaze on His beauty, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, we are changed into that same image, that glory of His face, with ever-increasing glory, from glory to glory to glory, as we gaze on His face. So Jesus' face is amazing. I wonder what you think of as His face. As I said in Isaiah 53, it says that there was no beauty or or, or anything is special about his face. It says uh, in verse 2, He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. And so Jesus' natural face wasn't particularly different from anybody else's, but he had uh, a glow about him. And he, he knew that his face, when it says he, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, he knew that his face was going to be damaged. Because in Isaiah 50, which is a prophecy of what would happen to him, he knew what, what the Old Testament said. And it says in verse 6, I gave my back to those who struck me, my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. So Jesus' face full of grace and truth. You can imagine him smiling at the disciples with love and, and care and concern and compassion for the woman caught in adultery. When he healed the leper or the blind man, uh, when the children came to him, and he received them and welcomed them. You can imagine his face full of grace and truth. But then there was also a, a sternness and a strength. It says he set his face steadfastly like flint. And this is what I want to look at today. First of all, have you seen the face of Jesus? That's the first thing. The, before we even talk about Jesus, we can talk about him in theoretical terms and say, what an amazing person he was, what a lovely man, what a good teacher, what a kind person, um, what an amazing human being. But we have to see through that to see the real face of Jesus, which is the face of God. Hebrews chapter 1 says that God has now revealed himself plainly through Jesus. We have now seen what God looks like. Through Jesus, And so I'm, I'm going to ask you to see the face of Jesus, to see all of the aspects of his face, his beauty, his kindness, his truth, but also the steely determination to go ahead. And then the second point is that it says when the time had come for him to be received up, we need to know what God is doing in our lives at different times. We need to be open and aware and and receptive to the time that God has for us. And there is one time in particular that is mentioned again and again in the Bible, and it's the word today. It says, today is the day of salvation. It says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. There is a time when God says, I am calling to you. I am drawing you. I am, I am trying to reach you. I want you to come close to me. 
Now you might say, well, I don't know if that's today. I, I felt him drawing me in the past, but maybe that's just what everybody feels. Maybe it'll always be there. Maybe I can wait till tomorrow or next week or next year. Maybe I'll, I'll live my life for the world. And then at the last minute, I'll give my life to the Lord. I don't know what the timing is. And I want to say to you that today is the day. You say to me, Greg, how do you know that? The reason and the way that I know that is that in John chapter 6, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless my Father draws him. No one can come to Jesus unless the Father is drawing him. So let me ask you this question, my friend. Can you come to Jesus? Do you feel an inner warmth, an inner draw towards Jesus? An urge to come closer to him, to see his face? Do you feel something in you that says, I want to get closer to Jesus? Jesus said that that doesn't happen unless the Father is drawing you. And we don't know if he will always be drawing us. We don't know if we will live many more days. We don't know the future. And so we must take those opportunities. And there are other times in our lives where God says, do this, go this way. There are big principles and there are fine details of guidance but Jesus was listening to the guidance and the timing of the Lord. And the first thing is to respond to the drawing of God. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, but respond. Open your heart. Say, yes, Lord, I've heard your call and I'm coming to you. Forgive me. Make me yours. Uh, make me close to you. Make me your child. And it says, when the time had come for him to be received up, he steadfastly set his face. Let me just quickly touch on that word received up. Jesus was received up onto the cross of suffering. He was received up into heaven and he then received all the, the children, the, the family of God into his church. He opened the way. He was the trailblazer who opened the way for us all to be received. In Ephesians 1, it says we are accepted in the beloved. We are part of the family of God. Ephesians 3 says there is the family of God, some of whom are in heaven, some are on earth, but we are received, we are accepted. And I want to say to you, today is the day for you to be received up just like Jesus. But then it says he steadfastly set his face. And this is what I want to spend most of my time for the rest of today on, is that there is a place and a time for us to not be blown around by the wind, to not be completely dependent on circumstances or other people or even our own feelings that change every day. For us to steadfastly set our face and say, it doesn't matter which way the wind is blowing. It doesn't matter what opposition I have. It doesn't matter whether people are friendly or against me. I have a purpose and I am moving forward with God. And it says that Jesus set his face steadfastly. He would have had opposition from the Pharisees, the religious leaders. There were people who were against him. Eventually, they nailed him to the cross because they didn't like him. He would have had that aggression and that pain. He would have also had emotional turmoil. We know in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he was crucified, he was crying and sweating blood and, and in emotional anguish. We know on the cross he went through excruciating pain. He would have had his disciples deserting him. Peter and the others ran away and denied him. He knew what was coming. He had all these different things. He would have had the temptations of his flesh. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 that he was tempted 
in every way, just as we are, but didn't sin. He was tempted to say, I'm going to avoid this path. I'm going to avoid the pain and go the easy route. But he steadfastly set his face. The most courageous and strong-willed person in all of history steadfastly set his face. He went through the cross. And Hebrews 12 says it was for the joy before him that he endured the cross and went through it. He could see through to the other side and he could see the joy. Christian friend, we need to see his face, but then we need to copy his face. We need to copy his face. We need to say, Lord, there are certain things where I need to steal myself, set my face like flint steadfastly and say, I will not turn to the left or the right. I will not give in to temptation. I will not go the easy way. I will not be blown around by the world around me. I will not let my emotions and desires and feelings take me off track. Lord, I'm going the way that you have shown me to go. I see your face and now I copy your face and I have the compassion and the kindness and the grace and the truth, but I also have a steadfastness that I will not give up and I will do what God has called me to do. And so it says in verse 52, he sent messengers before his face and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. So part of this thing of saying, Lord, I want to copy your face is he said, it says he sent messengers before his face. What that means is they saw his face, they were with him, they, they looked on his face, but then he sent them out from his presence. We've got to say, Lord, I see your beauty and glory, but now I'm going out. And when it says before his face, there is also an aspect of us representing him. We're not going in our own name and in our own fame, we are going to show people Jesus's face that we have ourselves seen. He sent messengers before his face to the places where he wanted to go. Notice that Jesus wants to go to many places all over the world, in every workplace, every relationship, every pursuit, every area of human life. Jesus wants to go, but he sends people who have seen his face before his face into those places to represent him. And so I need to know that part of this task of being steadfast for the Lord is, yes, I need to receive him and, and respond to his voice, but then he's going to send me to represent him. And I need to represent him well, and I need to have a steely determination because there will be opposition. And that's what happened here in verse 53. It says, when they went into a village of Samaritans, they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. So what happened here was the Samaritans and the Jews didn't like each other. And this band of disciples came into a Samaritan village. They told the people about this beautiful Jesus. They described his face and his glory and everything about him. But then they said he's on his way to Jerusalem to die because Jesus had a determination of where he was going. And they said he is going somewhere that we disapprove of. We want him to come and stay in a Samaritan village. We don't want him to go to the Jews. And so they rejected him. And it is common in this world. Jesus said the road to destruction is broad and many find it, but the road to life is narrow. The road and the gate is narrow and few will find life. And it is common in this world that most people 
are selfish. They just want their own needs met. And as soon as they hear that Jesus has a bigger agenda than themselves, they will say, no, I just want a Jesus who serves me, who makes me happy, who makes me rich, who makes me prosperous and blessed and, and who does all the good things for me. Now, Jesus does that, but it's always with a bigger view in mind. He says, I bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. And if we want to keep that blessing for ourselves and just be selfish, then we will often reject the face of Jesus. And these disciples found that, that the people of the Samaritan village rejected Jesus. So we need to um, see his face with all its beauty and, and receive it. We need to copy his face as we go out to represent him. But then we need to face others. We need to face others. It's not just about looking in a mirror at myself or looking at Jesus and, and other Christians and saying, me, 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 me. We need to be looking at the others because Jesus was always looking at the others. He kept saying things like, let's go to the other side of the lake. I have other sheep, not of this sheepfold. Uh, let's go to the other villages because that is why I was sent. There was a time in Luke chapter 4 where he had a hugely successful ministry and people were getting healed and coming to him. Uh, it was just a really wonderful time of ministry and success. And in verse 43, he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And so we see his face, we copy and represent his face, but then we face others, 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 others. And the disciples made an error. The, the Samaritan village rejected Jesus. And in verse 54, it says, When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. <laughs> We, when we are seeing his face, when we are copying his face, when we are facing others, there is one last important point that we need to remember. And that is that we have a destination that is spiritual and not earthly. Now, what do you mean by that, Greg? What are you saying? What I'm saying is that in earthly terms, we would force people to believe. We would use coercion. We would use intimidation, manipulation. We would set rules. We would try to force people to do what we know is best for them. And we would use earthly methods. And yet the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not earthly or carnal. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. And we need to understand that we never use the world's methods or force or coercion to try and make people believe because Jesus gives people free choice. And he asks us and tells us not to conform to this world's ways of doing things. Now, why am I saying that? Because many Christians have the right understanding of Jesus and they love him and they want to serve him and they steadfastly set their face to serve him and they're facing others and they're trying their best. But then we fall into the trap of thinking, I must now coerce or, or use worldly methods. I must maybe use a bit of trickery and deception to, to bring people in. Or I must use uh, bullying tactics or peer pressure to make people feel bad. 
uh, or I must make rules and, and I must force people to do things. And we even go a step further where we start to try and say, God wants politics to force people to be Christians. And so we, we want the country to make rules, even though we may be in the minority as Christians, we want the rules of the country to force people to do God's things. Uh, and we try to slip into the same error that James and John fell into where they said, let's call down fire, let's force them. And Jesus said, no, I didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. I think it's great that we want people to live righteous lives. I really do. I think it's great that us Christians want everybody to have the blessing and the joy that we found in living like Jesus wants us to live. I think that's fantastic. But the minute that we start trying to force them or coerce them or make them feel guilty uh, when they haven't even given their lives to Jesus yet, then we've stepped into this era of James and John where we're trying to force people. And Jesus says, you don't really understand the spirit that you are of. It's a spirit of love. It's a spirit of salvation, not judgment and destruction. But it's also a spirit that allows people to make their own choices. And this is hard for us as Christians to understand. You know, as Christian parents, this is extremely difficult because when your child is one, two, three, four, five years old, you have to tell them, no, you can't go into the road because you'll get hit. No, you can't eat that food because it's bad for you. But as they grow older, we have to transition to treating them like adults. And so we have to let them make their own mistakes and make their own choices. And this is very difficult. And even in Christian circles, in church life, and in our relationships, we can become the, the kind of annoying parent type person who tries to tell other people what to do and judge them, even though their hearts haven't been changed yet to love Jesus. There's a question that I sometimes ask people to ask themselves when they're trying to change somebody or trying to get a law passed or trying to do something. Uh, let's let's just say. For example, we wanted to make it a law that people couldn't commit adultery, that it was against the law for people to sleep with other people they're not married with. And we, we were trying our hardest. Let's just say we succeeded and we got that law passed and everybody started to obey the law and there was no adultery. What would be the point of a, a whole country following the non-adultery laws and yet when they all died, they all went to hell? You see, there's a bigger purpose. And if we try and force people to do what we want them to do without showing them the love of Christ and without them having the chance to respond to the, the salvation of Jesus, then we've, we've missed the boat. We've, we've almost forced them to think they're good because they're obeying a bunch of rules, but they haven't had their hearts changed yet. And Jesus wants our hearts changed. He wants people to see his face, to love his face, to copy his face, and then to face others. And Jesus actually went on after this in Luke chapter 9, where uh, somebody said, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He was saying, if you're going to follow me, it's going to be difficult. It's not always going to be easy. The, the laws of the land won't always make it easy for you. And you have to be willing to follow me wherever I'm going. Another said, um, 
Lord, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and preach the kingdom of God. We need to be willing to say other relationships and other things are less important than serving God. And then the last person said, Lord, first let me go and bid farewell to those at my house. And Jesus said, once you put your hand to the plow, you can't look back. And so we need to realize that if I'm going to set my face steadfastly like Jesus, I need his help. It's going to be hard. There are going to be times when there is opposition. There will be people who leave me and no longer want to be my friend. Uh, There will be all sorts of reasons why it's difficult. But my friend, Jesus did it. Look at his face. Steadfastly, he's going to Jerusalem. He's going to be received up on the cross and then going up into heaven. And we need to say, Lord, I want to copy you. The great news is he gives you the power to do that. His people are around you and helping you, but his spirit is within you. His word is there to help you. And he gives you the power to see his face, to copy his face, to face others but then to set your face steadfastly to what God has called you to do. Will you do that this Easter? Will you see Jesus and decide, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to serve him wherever he leads me. Lord Jesus, I pray for my brother or sister that you would today receive us all into your family. Lord, I pray that they would have new birth, a forgiveness of sins, and they would, Lord, be put on the path of steadfastly following you and serving you as we reach others for you. Friend, if you want to give your life to the Lord, you just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, come and forgive me and save me, and he will do it. And then let us know at leadinglightsnetwork.com. Just pray, Lord Jesus, forgive me, make me new. I give my life to you today. You pray that prayer, let us know, and then learn about his face, worship him in his beauty, and serve him as he has shown us to do. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.